Hi, everybody. I'm Rogers Healy, the host of Rogers That, a podcast dedicated to selling without selling out. And today we have someone that I love him already because we have almost the same name. Uh, he's got a background in being himself. Um, broken Road led to some significant success, and this gentleman has catapulted uh, his career because he has captured everything that he is, uh, ranging from being a husband, a dad, a, formal, a former gym rat, to someone who was a brand marketing director at Nike. Now he is a business owner in the great state of Texas. We got him back from the Pacific Northwest. Uh, he's a Dallas guy. He is a um, well-traveled man. He's a storyteller, someone that I became a fan of. We met for the first time today, but I've been following his journey uh, through multiple angles, through the branding angle, through uh, CrossFit, through SMU, and most recently as a fellow business owner. Uh, he is now the owner of Perseus. How, Perseus. Perseus Creative. I, I was over here saying it eight times in a row before, but He's the owner of Perseus. Uh, Dadgummit! There we go. Of Perseus Creative. Uh, his name is Jordan Rogers, and we're excited to have you here today. So thank you. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Happy to be here. Uh, before we get started, that's not a Detroit Tigers hat. Nope. What is it? Fear of God. Uh, Jerry Lorenzo. It's a it's a brand. Jerry Lorenzo is a guy who designs streetwear. Um, it's kind of a, he calls it American luxury. So it's like a streetwear, a sort of streetwear meets a little bit of high fashion, but American made. This and is a vest. Oh, I like that vest. Mizzen and Main. It's, uh, American, yeah, love American that Mizzen and Main brand. Yeah. I heard Kevin's podcast. Yeah, he did a great yeah, job. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so Jerry Lorenzo, Fear of God, love it. Yeah. It's good, good reminder that, to have a fear of God, but also you can be cool and fashionable too. Just like God. God was fashionable. That's right. God, yeah, maybe he was. Um, you know, I just really, God would yeah. be a great guest on this podcast. Wow. Yeah, totally. I've got questions. Yeah. I don't know if you have a direct connection to him. I know you're really... I do have a direct connection. It's available to all of us. Okay. Um, but uh, I don't always get the exact right answers, and I'm not going to pretend to have them. So Fair enough. Yeah. So back to Jordan Rogers uh, and, and, and kind of what got you here, a question we, we started to ask all of our guests is maybe give us the... Not elevator pitch, but maybe not the whole biopic because that's going to be yep. out in a few years. And totally. Uh, so, what's what, what's the story? How how do we get to know you better? The story as um, as it goes in a lot of places. I grew up here in Dallas, Texas, product of Richardson. Shout out to Richardson. Um, I grew up obsessed with sports. Uh, we're a similar age, so we grew up in the Michael Jordan era. Bo Jackson, Ken Griffey Jr., Deion Sanders, Charles Barkley. These are the athletes who are amongst on my wall. Andre um, Agassi. Andre Agassi, dude. Yes. It's like, huge. Golly, this is the Nike athletes back in the 80s and 90s. Yep. Like, I, I'm confident we grew up in the greatest generation, the last great generation of music, entertainment, and true sports. Freaking Mark McGuire, Canseco, Ken yep. Griffey Jr., Bo, I had all their shoes. I know. Oof. Me too. Well, I think every generation has something new to offer, and this one has some really interesting ones too, which we can talk about with NIL stuff. Yeah. But uh, that generation, I think, was, um, was well, certainly influential in my life. I don't know whether it was the greatest or not, but it had a ton of power because I created this like insane brand loyalty to Nike, uh, and that has you know, transcended my life and ultimately led to a career. But, uh, so grew up obsessed with sports. Um, but here in Texas, as you may know, um, at least in Dallas, uh, I was a jack of all trades, master of none. So I loved Bo Jackson and that Bo Knows campaign because, oh, yeah. 
you know, Bo knew golf, Bo knew basketball, Bo knew baseball, Bo knew football. I like to play all sports, but I was kind of a master of none. And so by the time you reach junior high in Dallas, you but need re- to remember what he didn't know. Um, I'm going to bring a music tie in here. Oh, Bo didn't know diddly. Bo. Uh, that's right. Here we go. Yeah, okay, sorry. exactly. Uh, well, well played there. Thank you. Um, Bo Diddley, everyone watching and listening, was a famous guitarist and singer. He was like a poor man's B.B. Uh, King, but he struck yep. pay dirt when Bo didn't know Diddley. Anyway. And he made a cameo in that campaign. Yep. Um, so when, yeah, I wasn't a, I, and I, I showed promise in like golf, which I love today. I'm obsessed. But um, back then, you know, golf wasn't very cool when you're like 13. I wanted to play basketball and uh, I wasn't really cut out to play basketball at a high level, I don't think. Either that, or I didn't have a practice um, ethic. You know, I didn't have like that work ethic at the time. I just wanted to like lower the goal and dunk, <laughs> and that did not help me try to make the varsity team. So, uh, fell out of sports, which had been this huge part of my life growing up. Um, and also sh- should say, I grew up in an amazing household, loving parents, um, loving grandparents, um, and uh, awesome younger sister. And uh, so anyway, but in the absence of that big vacuum in my life, I, I turned to basically like drugs and alcohol, just partying. Um, the party sort of soured pretty quickly at the beginning of the opioid epidemic or um, really. And so I was sort of square in the middle of the war on drugs and the opiate epidemic. And so got introduced to heroin at like 15 years old, mm. which is uh, unfortunate, but and so by 21, I was incarcerated. Um, I got arrested for the first time at 14, again at 19. So by 27, I basically spent like half my life on community supervision or probate, probation of some sort. And so that informs a lot of the work that I do today that I'm kind of passionate about in the criminal justice space. Am I trying to bring transformation there or just bring education to people who are not familiar with it? Um, and so anyway, wound up incarcerated for 13 months, uh, came out, uh, spent... Uh, a few months of the Salvation Army off of Harry Hines. Working there? Um, living there. Living there. And then um, started piecing my life back together one by one. So while I was incarcerated, I sort of reconnected with my mind, body, and spirit. So growing up, loving sports. By the time I got incarcerated, I was you know fully addicted to heroin, shooting dope. I was 116 pounds. Wow. So like if you're watching this, uh, I'm 166 pounds today. Wow. So if you took 50 pounds off of me, like I was like an emaciated skeleton, I was dying. And so when I was facing a long time in prison for minor possession charges, but I kept violating. And so I thought I was going to have to go away for a long time. I was facing five to 20 years in prison. And so I started doing push ups, some out of like survival technique, but also it just started then. I knew that I was going to have to do something drastically different if I, if they let me out again to not go back to shooting heroin. And so it was like, I started doing push-ups, pull-ups on the shower bars, um, running in place, like deck of cards, workouts and all these things in there and got really, it's, it started to help my mind and my body feel better. Mm. And so, um, How old were you? you're in your late 20s, I was 21 at the time. And so got out, I think at 22, And so today when I talk to college athletes, it's like I'm talking to them meeting at this point where like I was starting my life over. And so it was really interesting uh, to, you know, just kind of reflect on that today. But uh, yeah, so got out and tried to keep up that love of fitness and health and wellness and became a personal trainer 
like started going to community college, working, um, took like one class to see if I could do it and then took another uh, in community college and then did community college for a couple years, transferred into SMU and ended up getting my degree there. I tried to go to the business school. So this is what I actually love. Same. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Did you get in? They did not try to let me in. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, they yeah. didn't let me in either, Roger. Major, yeah. Oh, and let me guess. Do they invite you to come back and speak at SMU? Not in the business school. Oh, yeah. Okay. Actually, you know what? I did speak at the business school yeah, last year in full, full circle. I was like, this is the first time I've actually ever been in here. They're like, why? Yeah. I was like, because I couldn't get in because I could not pass statistics. God, I love this. This makes me so happy. Yeah, the power yeah. of being a Rogers. Totally. Yeah. Uh, well, and also just, yeah, business statistics. Dude, like, was I one of the, I couldn't do it. Literally. Accounting, like, no, just well, I, whipped I didn't my ass. Accounting. I, what, I, yeah. What'd you end up majoring? So I did in? the business subset. Oh, you did uh, uh, financial application, economics well, well, with financial application. No, I admit, I tried to do the subset of whatever the foundations to get into the business oh, school, mm-mm. and it it was like such a you know poetic end that it was my last course was accounting. I needed like a B minus, nope. and I had I did all the extra credit and everything, and I had like a seventy nine and a point four, mm-hmm. and begged the woman. Uh, I still remember Carolyn Davidson, that professor. She wouldn't, and she wouldn't round me up. I mean, fair was fair, but I'm so grateful. I got a degree in ancient history. Really? Yes. Wow. And so, like, history came alive to me. I was, I was advertising. Advertising, yeah. Which I never thought I would use, but here you are. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. It turns out you're a great advertiser. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. So yeah, so I, um, you know. Anyway, I find great irony in that. So they love to welcome me back and speak. Next, if they ever invite me to the business school, I'm going to make sure they give me an honorary business degree. But you and I just need a statue. Yeah, in front of outside Cox. there, just, just the Rogers. Rogers. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Rogers shared um, statues. No, I mean, I'm super grateful for my time there. I'm actually, I look back and like, if if you're talking about being you and how we celebrate you, like, I'm super grateful for my ancient history degree. Yeah, and I try to tell people like, you know, if you that first thing that you try. Maybe maybe Plan B is the Plan A, you know, and so. Hmm. Um, I like I, that. That's our nugget. Yeah. We yeah. do like a nugget. That's it. That's maybe, your line. Maybe Plan B is your Plan A. Well, for me, you know, Plan A was to try to get into the business school so I could be an entrepreneur, and I wanted to get into marketing. And I actually saw this brochure with a kid who had interned at Nike, and I was like, God, that would be amazing. But you know, it turns out marketing is all about storytelling. And I find that in ancient history, uh, you know, you really study the stories that last forever. Hmm. And um, it turns out that like, you know, ancient history um, and marketing are more about stories than they are about studies. So Hmm. uh, I eventually was able to work in marketing at the highest level at one of the greatest brands in the world. You got to get us there. You got to bring it back to- Yeah, I will. all right, so I'm putting my life back together. I go to SMU. I become a personal trainer, um, and I'm working at the Deadman Fitness Center. Uh, I started at 24 Hour Fitness, and I'm just putting like one foot in front of the other. Like, man, honestly, when I came out, I just wanted to not put a needle in my arm. Literally, I said, you know, I had this um, this kind of my you know come to Jesus moment, or like my great awakening or rock bottom was like, um, anyway, in this jail cell halfway through my incarceration. And, um, I was just like, I really want a boring and dull life at this point. My life has been too exciting. Like it's been too full of like, you know, highs and lows. And I just want like 
boring. Like if, if the most fun I get to have is to go bowling on Friday night with some <laughs> old AA drunks, yeah. you know, smoking cigs and drinking coffee, like then so be it. And like, I just want to settle down and like not rock the boat and just go. And so, um, it turned out I got to do a lot more than that, but, um, bowling on a Tuesday. Yeah. Bowling on a Tuesday. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I do play a lot of ping pong, you know, these days, but, um, uh, so anyway, um, got that degree and I, uh, let's see, got the, got a degree in history, um, came out, uh, I wanted to teach. So I was gonna, uh, teach history and work in the inner city and try to like coach and try to bring back that love of sports, maybe coach basketball or something and try to reach kids while I was young and tattooed. And, uh, it turned out my record. That was one of the only things that my record prevented me from doing was like working with students at the time. And so, uh, I, I guess I understood that. I think I could have been a good teacher, but it sounds like you kind of are now, right? Yeah. I I'm going back full circle. And I mean, just shameless plug to advocate for people. Like, I just feel like giving people a scarlet letter who come out of uh, incarceration. I was not convicted of a felony. Um, I had been charged with one possession and was able to get deferred adjudication. And, you know, because of that, when you go to like work at a big corporation, they ask you if you've been convicted of a felony and I had not. So I was able to get past that. But I hope that people see my life and see that, hey, even you can make a lot of mistakes and still be a great human and there is redemption available for you and there is grace and there is also uh, the sky can be the limit. And so I hope people can see my story and see that other people need a second chance more often, even ones who've been given who've been given the felony scarlet letter. Um, they need that second chance as well. And you're only 40 yep. in your family, man, which obviously is the greatest accomplishment you've had. But Amen. to get back to the worldly accomplishments, you go to SMU, you get out of jail at 21, you mm-hmm. redefine yourself doing push-ups and perspective and yep. graduate from you know a great college. And um, all of a sudden you decide to go bring it back to full circle, King Griffey Jr., Charles Barkley. Yep. You know, Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, all these Nike athletes that are just kind of singing, you know, singing to your soul. Yeah. And all of a sudden you end up at Nike. So, I mean, obviously dream job for anybody. Yeah, I didn't all of a sudden end up there. It took me four years of, can we cuss on the podcast? Yeah. (laughs) Four years of bitch work. (laughs) But um, we've had more words that are more offensive. Yeah, okay, well, we'll see. Um, I I need to, uh, I need to clean it up. But so... I I get denied on the teacher thing and I'm like gosh well I really just want to do something so you just canceled out bitch work by saying gosh yes gosh so, gosh darn it gosh um, darn it there we go uh, so I I go I go to the mall one day and I buy this pair of shoes and I come home and my next door neighbor is a man uh, a legend around Dallas his name is Duncan and he worked he was the manager at Luke's Locker um, and he's like this South African guy who's like this you know, footwear running genius. And I tell him, like, we're literally talking like, you know, Tim, the tool man, Taylor over the fence. And I'm like, man, you know, I just bought another pair of shoes against my will. And I have no idea, but I have this crazy, insane brand loyalty for Nike. And I can't explain it. There's a couple brands that I have that for. And he was like, you know, Nike people are cut from a different cloth and you might be cut from that cloth. You should go inside and look up this job. It's called the Eakin roll. And Eakin is Nike spelled backwards. Uh, I find that some like me all day. Like, yeah, I know. Eakin, what? It's E K I N, and it's not. It's Nike backwards, and their job is to know Nike backwards and forwards. Mm. So they're brand evangelist, tech reps, or 
you know, they're not in sales, but they teach people who sell Nike at big accounts how about the history and heritage of the brand, about the latest innovation, and they're just kind of like stewards of the brand in the big cities. There's like 25 to 30 of them across the country. So I see this job, and at the time, it was very obscure information on it. There was, this is 2008. We were also in a you know, global recession, all kinds of stuff. I didn't realize at the time all the barriers I was kind of going up against. Nike was restructuring their company at the time. And uh, so I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta have this job. Like, this is insane. Somebody gets paid to talk about sneakers all day, and I, that they get to go to the biggest sporting events and all like I gotta do I gotta have this. So I basically just like put my head down and found the guy who's the Eakin. His name's Mark Lau. He's a Dallas um, Dallas native. He's amazing. He's still at Nike. Um, and he kind of took me under his wing and was like, all right, you want to do it? Like, well, first you need to work in retail at Nike. That helps. So I started working at the Nike factory store out in Allen. Um, they offered me seven fifty an hour. I was like, I have a college degree. Can I not get more? They're like, okay, I think we can do seven seventy five. <laughs> so um, I did that, and then I was personal training that time. So I did for two years, and basically just like schlepping boxes, setting up tents, doing anything. I just bothered the hell out of Mark and anybody else who worked at Nike. I would just be like, what can I do for you? How can I help? Single at the time. So, uh, yep, single at the time. Um, and by the way, how can I help? Those four words are the best four words that I would tell anybody who's trying to do anything in business or in life. They just, they're the most helpful words ever. Yeah. Uh, when, when you're kind of at a loss, just how can I help? Um, so I would just follow people around, try to be helpful and try to get in where I fit in. And so I did that and I would just try to develop any skill to make me attractive to Nike. Cause I had nothing like I didn't have a business degree. I wasn't a college athlete. I didn't have an internship. I didn't have many accolades. My GPA was not great. And so I just was trying to make myself marketable. So, um, I picked up a camera at one point and I, cause I was on this, I was on a, so I did a couple years at factory store, realized at the time that I needed to go work for a marketing agency to be like a brand ambassador. That was the thing that was changing at the time. So, you know, when Nike does these big campaigns or maybe even when you do events, you hire out like a marketing agency who helps you execute that event. So it's not actually oftentimes people who work for Nike Inc. who are like setting up the tent and welcoming you or like if you see something at the Super Bowl like Verizon and someone's with an iPad trying to get you to sign up for something or AT&T. It's often not a person who actually gets a paycheck from AT&T. It's someone who gets a paycheck from an agency. And so I started doing that. And that was awesome. I traveled all over Texas working with high school athletes doing these like football camps. And at the time, I was working with these two other guys who were just big jacked football players. And they were like, Nike loves photo recaps and they, they built, you know, photos, videos. And so they were like, we had this fancy camera on the van and they were like, Hey, like you seem kind of techie. Why don't you figure out this camera thing? And so I did. That led me to uh, early adopt Instagram, and oh. I eventually started building an Instagram following. And I got on the suggested users list, which is like Instagram at that time is where TikTok is today. So basically, like exploding, a million people a day signing up. Wow. And at the time, they would have two hundred people um, on this list at a time for a couple weeks. And basically, when you signed up. Today, they would send you to like Justin Timberlake or I don't know, somebody. 
And but at the time they were like, hey, oh, I, I know what you're saying. Like, you start, I, I got you. Yeah. Okay. It'd be like you might like to follow this person, and so my following grew by like a thousand people a day. Oh my gosh! Each time that I was on that list, and I was on it twice. So and what's your what's your name before I forget? Oh, at Jordan Rogers twenty six. Twenty six. Like, comment, subscribe. Thanks, everybody. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm most. looking. I'm looking now. Keep talking. Yeah, okay. Um, so that comes full circle because that little following and that experience of like just being socially and digitally savvy has really helped me grow my business my brand like i tell people all the time and i'm not lying to like college athletes you know instagram has done more for my career than linkedin or anything else ever could yeah um it's been remarkable i connect with the coolest craziest people all over the world um because of my instagram it is so wild. So anyway, even though we connected from LinkedIn, LinkedIn, and I don't, I don't. It's probably, but I didn't respond to you for like a month, no. I think, on LinkedIn because I'm just not there that much. Um, and we can circle back to that. My biggest problem right now. I have questions for you. You're, yeah, you're we'll a man who does a lot of things, but and I'm, I've got my hands on a lot of things right now. But Nike, Nike. So after four years, they finally let me in, and uh, they let me. Um, I created a short film. I created my resume. Then you needed a portfolio. You had to do like this how-to presentation and this panel interview process. It was crazy. They put you basically like through hazing. And then I created a short film, which is what kind of took me over the top. So Kelly and Kevin Liu are the Liu brothers. They're out in LA now, but they were from Dallas. They were in film school at the time, and I convinced them to help me make a little short film for this video. I had like a budget of like $250, which was huge at the time for me i was so broke by this point and um they are awesome man i just love those guys and they um they originally took the interview because they thought i was a famous radio dj i think they thought i was ben rogers from ben and skin oh my gosh I just oh my guy yeah they're so good i That's love them yeah. yeah they're great another he needs to be on the roger statue too and when i told him oh. about this about he was yeah. actually really pissed Oh. He's like, how did I not think of it first? Because he's he's wanting to do a podcast. Oh, Rogers, as well. that yeah, so. he's he started one. Like I think just a few weeks ago. Really, Skin was his first guest. Makes sense. Those are my guys. I love them. But um, so anyway, made the film. They let me in. So I became an Eakin. Absolute freaking dream job. I, I got hired at thirty. Um, I was a little bit older than most of the Eakins, but it was cool. I always tell people like, you know, if you're Were struggling, you like an Aiken Eakin. And you like the guy? <laughs> yeah, see? No, nah, man. I, I, well, no, I, I'm good. Uh, I was, health and wellness has been a thing. I feel good. I'm just Five kidding. years into my career, after I was killing myself and I had a really unhealthy relationship with work, I was aching. That's for sure. And I kind of pivoted and. Were you more like a clay aching? Clay aching. Also a Dallas native, right? Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, okay. Great American Idol. Um, Clay Aiken and God are going to be my next podcast guest. Adam. At the same Adam. time. Yeah. Anyway, um, sorry. Aiken, All right, 35. so I was an Aiken, and then eventually just kind of worked my way up and worked my way through brand marketing, spent a lot of time in American football, did a couple years in Nike women's and finished out my career in Nike basketball, um, getting to work with coolest athletes. You got to, like who? Okay. Uh, so you want to know more about Nike? Well, whatever. Okay. I mean, just about, I want to get to the so, journey of you being a business owner and with yeah. NIL. Okay. Well, then here's how it works. So I was an Eakin in Dallas, and the primary sport that Nike was investing in in Dallas, Texas, you could probably guess, but it's American football. And I say American football because at Nike, you refer to soccer as global football. Oh, really? Because of the, the rest of the globe calls it football. 
um, except for us in America. So football Americano, indeed. Yeah. See, si, por supuesto. Yeah. Um, so I was in American football, and I wasn't a football player, but that's what was happening. And so, you know, when I share wisdom to people, it's like get in where you fit in. I just started following around the football people once I had the Eakin job, and I was like, how can I help you in football? And they needed like consumer insights research. And so they would often find like a 17 year old high school football player who was like kind of a big prospect. And it would just be like, Nike would make products for this kid. So they would think about a consumer profile. And a lot of time people make up the consumer. They'll go, oh, Jane is 25 and she likes this and she likes that. So they would actually find a kid and, and do a deep dive on him. And when I got it, it was like a Word doc it was like a kid's profile picture and all these questions. And I was like, well, that doesn't seem like that would help them very much. So again, I went back to my film stuff and I grabbed a director or a videographer and was like, hey, what if I go follow this kid from the time he wakes up in the morning to like the end of the day? And they were like, okay. And I like pitched for, but I think I got 500 bucks. And we followed this kid, literally went to his bedroom at like 6 a.m. And he had like a trunk, sorry, he had a right. trunk of offer letters from every school you could this imagine. Is real, I mean, this, this is a, is a real, real kid, story. yeah. Um, down at DeSoto High School. And he was this top recruit and just followed him around, followed him to class, um, then followed him after school to practice, saw what was in his locker, what's in his backpack, what does he want, what is he listening to, where does he get his style influences. So, and created this like little, again, another short film. And like, the people up at campus were like, God, this is awesome. Like, okay. And the people down here were like, that's awesome. Thank you. So I got into American football that way. So I just started to obsess, like what does the consumer want? Um, and, and, um, so then I got into a marketing position in football down here, worked with a lot of the big high schools, Allen high school, DeSoto, Cedar Hill, got to work with coach McGuire, who's now at Texas tech. Um, and Kyler Murray was coming up during that time. So I got to know Kyler and his family um, really well. And um, that was awesome. And then they pulled me up to campus and they said, hey, we want, want you to come up here to North America and be a, the North America brand manager for Nike football. And that led me to being able to uh, manage some of our big pro athletes. And so, so I was in Portland. I was in Portland, Oregon. My wife and I moved up there when she was six months pregnant with my son. Wow. Yeah. What's your son's name? His name is Calvin. I thought it was Eakin. No. Know. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> <All right. Both. laughs> no. I like the brand a lot, but not not quite that much. His name is Swoosh. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, that's actually what Kyler's dog is named. Swoosh. Yep. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so. I was, and look, this informs some of my personal branding stuff, which we get, which I teach college athletes. It's like, so I wasn't a football player. A lot of people who worked in American football were former football players. What I was, was like a creative kid. And I was like, creative. I love the arts. Um, they often like had a running joke that I would always try to bring street art into every campaign we did or some kind of art and an artist. So I loved art. I was into sneakers all the way growing up. And so I was kind of a sneaker head. And so when it came time to re-sign one of the biggest American football players of a generation, Odell Beckham Jr., they turned to me and were like, hey, I had written this plan on like how we should utilize him and do all these cool cleats and stuff. And they were like, hey, we need to resign this guy. Where's that plan that you wrote a while ago? No pressure. And so this is like actually also another principle of entrepreneurship because I get the question now a lot, like you were with Nike, why? 
it was one of those early indicators that I was an entrepreneur. Like, so the best things that I did at Nike, no one asked me to do. I just did them or, or pitch people. And, and then they turned out to be cool, you know? So I had to do my job and that was one, that was a hard learning. So it was like, do all the basics that everyone's asking you to do. And then you can like go do your fun projects. Is it like a desk? I mean, are you there certain hours a day or since you're in the creative space, was it kind of a lot of Liberty and you could just pick and choose mm-hmm. when you wanted to check in? No. Um, which also led me to leave, but, um, Noted. It's, yeah, these are you wearing fi- Nikes today. Um, this is one of the only pair of non Nikes that I have. <laughs> okay, sorry, we won't zoom in on the It's feed. all good. No, it's fine. Um, I have a closet full of Nikes. This is one of the only pairs of shoes that I wanted while I was there. Again, fear of God. I really wouldn't do the hat oh, no. hat yeah. shoe hook, but um, we call it a head to toe look in the biz, <laughs> Noted. which I'm not usually a fan of. But um, anyway, so um. So yeah, they asked me to write this brand plan and I eventually then got to be a part of the courting process to court Odell to re-sign with us and got to lead that process. And then I got to lead his brand, be Odell Beckham Jr.'s brand manager for a couple of years Wow! and uh, work with all our other pros like Saquon Barkley and Russell Wilson and Travis Kelsey and all these cool, like just awesome athletes. Make you feel like a kid? Yes. And an adult. That. Well, uh, so I felt like a kid when I got to meet like Barry Sanders Mm. and I was like, oh my gosh, but this tall. Oh yeah. I mean, he's yeah. Anyway, you know, people like that, I would feel like a kid and then I would feel like a real adult when I'd be meeting these 19, 22 year old athletes though, you know, we're twice their age now. Yeah. And that's what I try to remind people. Like people just, anyway, I have all kinds of takes on that. People just think these guys are not human. You know, because they see them through a television yeah. screen, I think. They're human, just like you and me. Like, you know? It's hard. I don't know if meeting, at, like, athletes or actors, or but like, they're still a part of me. Like, and I'm really into the music stuff. It's so hard for me to play it cool, which I'm, I'm thankful for. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, there's a fine line between drooling and being a fanboy. But yep. I think that they can feel the authenticity of when you say, like, you were my hero growing up. Mm-hmm. They believe it. Yeah. There's a few people I don't think I ever should meet. Like, if I'm at... Bo Jackson, I couldn't play it cool. And and yeah. Deion Sanders is a is a great client, a great friend, and it's still weird for me that yeah. I'm like it's so and Dion, I, yeah, totally. I'm like it's freaking the greatest athlete of yeah. all time. I know. And it, you know, but I love Dion. But you have to treat it like your job sometimes. Yeah. And, and I think that's a hard thing for people like me, maybe not like you, or I, I don't have an ounce of cool in me. And you know, it's it's yeah. hard. Even walking in here sometimes, it's like so hard to put a game face on and yeah. talking to guys like you. You know, it's a it's a different different conversation. Well, I don't know if it's because of like my background, like being incarcerated. I work with heroin addicts every day. Yeah, and people are coming out of prison, and I just remind, like, it just sort of helps ground me on like, yeah, we're all human, man. And yeah, you know, working with these athletes too they're human they have struggles yeah. and I, a lot of times i just become sympathetic to what they're going through and that's what i'm trying to help them with today but well, we got to bring it there i know so anyway worked with all the cool athletes traveled the world met all the favorite met all the athletes the artist went all over it's so the, freaking who was amazing the one, who was the pinnacle of all the meetings that you had who's the one person you met where you're like all right this is this is next level did you ever meet phil knight um in the lunchroom really one time but here's one of the things that nike taught me which i like and i i 
So you very strict rules at Nike. Like you never ask an athlete for an autograph. Yeah. You never ask for a picture. You treat them. It's the the best parts of Nike are like the Sports Center commercials. You know, you like yeah. open the elevator and the athlete walks in, and or they walk by the cubicle. That happens at Nike all the time. Really, and I would be giving people tours like. Um, and we literally opened the elevator and like Maria Sharapova walked out. And I was telling one of my friends, Paul, actually from Dallas, uh, we grew up together. He was up there in Oregon. We were walking through, I was telling him about that. And we walked by and Drake is like right next to us, you know? And so don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Well, yeah, that's the thing. And you just like, you learn and you just go, Hey, what's up, man? How are you? You know? And it starts to train this like just calm and then you're working with them on another level so for me it's probably virgil abloh virgil of off-white are you familiar you have no ounce of cool okay all right so virgil abloh <laughs> yeah, is um, this vest is kind of yeah cool. totally it it's is a cool vest it is yeah you're yeah. right yeah. um virgil was the virgil just passed away at the age of 42 oh, actually, actually. I, yes. I do know who this is louis yes. vuitton men's creative director formerly like came up with kanye west was his creative director for a long time out of chicago and he was just like this, he did all the famous Nikes and all, he created Off-White and um, helped resurrect the brand in a lot of ways. But I took Odell one time, the, the craziest trip for me was we took Odell to meet his idol, which was Cristiano Ronaldo. And Cristiano was playing against Neymar for PSG versus Real Madrid in Paris during Paris Fashion Week. And so we take Odell to Paris first to see this game. And we have a suite, a little suite, um, where we connect him with Virgil Abloh. So it's like me, Odell, his sports marketing rep, and his mom traveled like Paris to Madrid. And uh, we're in this little suite with like maybe five other people. Um, a, a, another famous quarterback but um and like three other nike people and virgil and we're just hanging out and uh signing shoes and all this kind of stuff and so that was like a moment where i just kept pinching myself like i wasn't playing it cool so for me it's not the person but i would just sit there and then i was sitting in real madrid there's a picture everywhere that i use of me sitting in real madrid like looking like this like a kid in a candy store with odell and cristiano ronaldo behind me and i'm like who am i I was in a jail cell, and now I'm sitting in the Real Madrid practice facility with, with Odell and Cristiano time. Ronaldo. Like, <laughs> what the hell is going on? But now to, you're here yeah. in the Rogers That Studio, yes. which is even a bigger. I know, and now I'm pinching myself right now. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm, 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 it's a Rogers moment. It uh, is. So, so you you go through this, and you, you know, and again, you reach the pinnacle pretty quickly and to keep the podcast premise at the forefront you know you've got to real you got to realize that there's something there that maybe you're not experiencing and you yes. know, you're a very successful person and you found love you found you know you're able to be a father and to calvin and now there's still something that's burning inside of you that is not nike yeah and that had to be probably a hard thing to face oh. but you, you did it. Oh my gosh, so hard. Um, so we had moved up to Oregon. We had a, our daughter, Joy, uh, a couple years later. So I have a two-year-old and a f well, I have like a three-year-old and an 18-month-old when the pandemic hits. And we're living in Portland and we survived through the spring and the summer. We had a very, we had an 1,100 square foot house. It was small, relatively speaking. Um, and we had a big yard. So the spring and the summer, we're fine. We're working from home. Nike is 100% remote. And so now we're sitting in a 1100 square foot house that is my office, our bedroom, our gym, because gyms weren't open. 
the pandemic experience was quite different in Portland, Oregon and um, Texas. (laughs) So, uh, everything was closed and so we were fine until like the fall and the winter hit and in the fall and the winter in portland i struggled most years um because it just rains for like seven months straight and so we just got to this breaking point of like parenting in a pandemic in portland oregon was like we got to go and we got to get back home our family and all our friends are here and you know i just had to sort of ask myself i believe you know, that my primary job in life is to serve my wife, Rain, and my secondary job in my life is to serve my children. And if I get to go, even if when we go back to work, if I get to go to these spaceship buildings and work with the coolest athletes in the world, what good does that do for them Hmm. if I'm not taking care of them pretty well? And so, uh, we were sitting there and it was just like, we got to go. And it was so, uh, Dude, it was brutal. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time working to try to get this job and I'd had success and there was a very clear path to leadership for me. Like I'd already kind of cracked the ceiling of getting into the director level, which is like young executive. And so it was but a- But sometimes plan B is plan A. That's right. So basically, um, have you ever read Atomic Habits? No, but thanks for asking. Okay. I'm not a reader. Oh, well, you have plenty of other great qualities. <laughs> James Clear sends out the email. I abhor email, but he sends out one each week. And um, it said, if your best friend was dealing with the biggest problem you're dealing with today, what would you tell them? And I was sitting here going, uh, what am I going to do? I'm leaving Nike. And what I would tell myself is I look back over my whole career and be like, dude, you're going to be fucking fine. Look at all you've overcome. That's a big cuss word. That is a big one. Sorry. But that's how I felt. It was like, dude, you're going to be fine. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you went broke today. Yeah. I'd be like, Rogers, you're going to be fine. You will rebuild this because yeah. you've, you've had so much success in other areas. And that's what I felt like. So we made the move. I got to end up working for Nike completely remotely for like another year. From Dallas? Yeah, from Dallas while I was thinking about it. And that was the ideal scenario. But Nike just said like they wanted people back on campus. So in May of 2022, they said, we got to pull everybody back. So you need to live here or at least need to be here three days a week. Mm. And I was like, eh. Which is worse. Yeah. So, uh, the cruel irony of Nike, which transitions me into this new space is they expected me to be creative and think outside the box. And the higher I got in the company, the less creative I got to be. Um, and so I just want, I was just feel like I'm bursting with creativity. And you, the thing with creativity too, it's like, you can't be forced. Yeah. Right? It can't be like today for 20 minutes, you're going to be creative. Yeah. It's got to be a natural. And I struggle with that too. It's got to be natural and it's, it's got to be just out of spur of the moment where, you hear a song or you experience something, you're like, all right, that's how I'm going to go do it. Versus yep. like, all right, here you go. So totally. You had to recognize that. Yeah. So I basically said, I'm 40. I've been there 10 years. I like round numbers. I got to go get my, and I've always said, people ask me what you, how your success is at Nike. It's because I'm entrepreneurial, which was ironic. But, and so I was like, I just have to get myself, I got to call my own bluff. So, um, such, it's so tough. I, I think that's yeah. so freaking tough. And I don't know if it's it because we're at an age, you know, I'm experiencing to different scales or different, you know, situations. But once you realize it and you actually make the decision, I think that's so overwhelming. But you did it. Yeah. And obviously you did it too with the help of social media, which yeah. you can't back down, you can't back out once you've done that. Totally. I basically realized uh, NIL. So in all of my workings with high school athletes, um, college athletes and then the pros uh, the fact that college athletes could not make money always drove me crazy and then i would work really closely with nfl players and realize that even them 
you have to make it to your second contract to make it for real. And everybody looks at them like, oh, they got a million dollars. Like, well, a million dollars goes really quick when you, you know, anyway. And so I just had this real passion for like college athletes. Like if they can set a foundation where they are um, and now the NIL, like I just, I don't know. I just took, I think it's the justice streak in me, but I always, I, I hated the NCAA and the fact that they wouldn't let college athletes make money. And so when NIL came, I was like, hey, that's really interesting. And then I started to look at how do I turn a perceived disadvantage into an advantage? And so I had to work in Dallas, Texas. Nike wouldn't let me work in Dallas, Texas. When you get into the like fashion, sports industry, everybody wants you to work in LA or New York or Chicago, maybe, maybe San Francisco. And so I finally was just like, well, I'm down here in college football, college sports mecca. And there's not that many other people. The big agencies are out on the coast. So like, I'm just going to do it here. So um, I've founded Percy's Creative. Our primary focus, my primary focus, it's a solo consultancy, is to serve college athletes, to teach them about personal branding, what it is, to remove some of the mystique of it, how to pitch and partner with companies. So how to get on the initiative and go after and like work with companies. You don't have to wait on them. And then how to serve others and use their platform for good. So it sort of takes all of these elements we've been talking about in my life story into teaching them now. Hmm. And what is Perseus? What, what's the origin of that? So Perseus uh, is a Greek mythological figure. When I finally got to study abroad at SMU, I went to Florence and um, there's a statue by Cellini, um, which was done during the Renaissance. And it's this incredible um, I can't get the sleeve up, but it's the statue of uh, Perseus holding Medusa's head. Perseus, uh, Medusa was terrorizing a city-state. Perseus um, took his shoes with wings and um, exercised bravery, took his sword, went down to hell or Hades or a dark cave, however the story is interpreted, and used his shield to look at Medusa. Because when you looked at Medusa in the eyes, she turned you to stone and you died. So he used his shield and thought innovatively and creatively to see her reflection and then defeated her, chopped her head off, came out of the cave and holds up this, the, the head. And to me, it was just like this, I'm standing, yeah, all the snakes are going and I'm standing in Florence looking at this like Renaissance statue, like with my background just a few years before. And it just captivated me. Mm. And so, uh, I, it, it always stuck with me. And so I love that. And so I say, it's like, um, we try to teach others how to be brave, think different, and celebrate victory. Mm. Dude, what a brand. So yeah. With NIL now, and, and this is going to bring it full circle again. I'm not mm-hmm. a former athlete, but really love mentoring and, and love being involved in you know younger people's lives and giving them mm-hmm. relative wisdom, but also kind of keeping them in check. But with this NIL thing, it's such an overwhelming, you know, it's a mysterious thing that is still not completely you know, lined out. But what you're doing is you're trying to go and essentially help the future generation. When these guys are getting, they're getting real money. I mean, some of these guys are getting a few million bucks a year, but you know, schools like SMU, there's an announcement that every player on the football team was going to get like 30 grand this year or something. So what else comes with it other, other than just the entrepreneurial business side, but what part of being a father and someone that, you know, want to remove the brokenness from people, how are you helping with that as well? Yeah, so I feel like a lot of people swoop down on them. There's a lot of sharks in the water um, in this business of college sports and then pro sports. Well, let's be honest, college sports is 
pro sports, yeah. which is my you know big appeal and why it's always annoyed me that we haven't called it that because there's billions of dollars flowing into it. So I just feel like there's a lot of sharks in the water and there's a lot of people looking out for themselves around these uh, young men and women. And I just kind of wanted to be a neutral party to like give them the best possible life wisdom. Cause then what I also saw was once they get to the pros, if they have not done that foundational work at healing or having a good head on their shoulders or having good people around them or taking sage advice and wisdom, then they blow it at the highest level. Some of them blow it at the college level. And so I just want to like teach them foundational principles. So like NIL is my way in the door because it's the buzzword, but I'm really just trying to teach them leadership and life skills um, at this stage. So uh, yeah, I just teach them about personal branding, how they can really lean into being them, how they can utilize their social media for good. And I have all these examples of like, I've done all these brand deals with people through my Instagram and I'm nobody. So if they have all this attention on them uh, and that's what I'm trying to, you know, help them capitalize on this moment. And then lastly, I would just say, I believe that, uh, and, and so most people are like, oh, personal branding, oh, you're just making it all about them. No, 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 I believe that the foundation, and I try to teach them, the foundation of your personal brand could be serving others. And so I try to tap into their story and figure out what have they overcome? What is the hardest things they've been through? That will be a, a, a revelation into the, population or where they can serve and have the most impact through their story. Hmm. What's the best advice you've ever received? Hmm. One of the best things when I was early in my career at Nike was a guy who told me, um, I prided myself on speaking the truth, but sometimes it can come across like harsh. And he said, totally respect always. Um, if you're going to be willing to bring the problem, bring a solution with it. Hmm. And so, Whenever I'm going to point out a problem, I'm going to try to bring a solution with it. I like that. It's a, you're a salesperson, whether you are, whether you think you are not, that's a, that's a salesperson. Well, I've realized that now early in this business, I didn't realize it. I'm a really good marketer. I'm trying to be a good product builder. Yeah. It's hard, man. Sales. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I heard, and I, you and I are very much alike and I'm a very efficient person. Mm. And I, I remember somebody telling me a long time ago that some people want to know what time it is and some people want to learn how to build the clock. Uh, and I'll ask people and every once in a while they're like, I want to learn how to build. I'm like, Oh God, I have to tell you all this thing. But mm-hmm. you know, everybody's different. They, they process different. And, and so what, what's the future of your company? How, how do we go support you? Whether it's online or mm. making intros, what, what do you see the intersection as this continues to grow? We're obviously yeah. it's a for-profit business and you mm-hmm. want to make sure that the, you know, the talented under, you know, the younger athletes are getting protected. What, what do you see yeah. the future of this looking like? Well, NIL is a hard place to look at in the future in the crystal ball. I mean, I have my opinions. I'm, I keep bidding, getting pulled. Everybody thinks I'm an agent. I'm not an agent. So I'm not trying to sign athletes and broker deals for them. I am sending deals to athletes that I know of like companies that reach out to me, but I'm not, I'm trying to be neutral and not make money off of them, which I don't think is inherently bad, but I think it gets the incentive structure gets wrong. So my person is creative. If you're an athletic director or a coach or in that industry, I would love to partner with you and your university to help serve your athletes. So I make money when the university hires me to come in and serve those players. Yeah. It's, uh, it's basically, I go in the route of inspirational speakers and educational speakers. Hmm. So they all have budgets for that. So that's a program that the athletes follow that you prepare for that. So I, yeah, I bring, uh, I'm developing like a workbook. I have worksheets and I, so it's not me talking at them. It's me working with them to pull their story out, to understand their strengths, their weaknesses, what they've overcome and how they can serve. And so the next phase is me developing like a, a workshop 
I'm getting reached out to by a lot of parents of kids who are about to go into NIL or parents of kids who are currently in NIL. So like two workshops will be what I'm trying to develop now. One for parents, NIL 101, what should you be aware of and know about? And then one for kids who are at programs that maybe their program isn't hiring me in, but they still want to participate and learn. So uh, that's what I'm in the process of developing right now. And then I'm also... I'm just doing like creative projects. So that next step for me, for Perseus Creative, I view it as like a an agency that will be a creative agency, like where I can do creative projects on everything from like interior design for millennial males, doing mural, I'm working on murals, like for and friends, places and businesses. Um, I'm doing a collaboration with a basketball company. I'm doing one with a golf company. So like, I wanna make things. I just want to be creative in all aspects of my life. You're using your brain. There I'm you using my brain and I'm using the gifts that God gave me. And, um, yeah, now I could just use a lot of help to <laughs> yeah. business owner stuff. Indeed. Yeah, totally. How, how do we support you? Obviously we find you mm. Jordan Rogers, 26 on Instagram. What, what else? How, yep. how do we send people your way and all y'all that are watching that are in the collegiate world, whether you're a parent, you're an athlete or you are in the administration, of a college. This yep. is somebody who's here to help. And it sounds yeah. like you're helping all sides. You're not, you know, you're not heavy to just the athlete or just to the brand. It's just giving them wisdom. Totally. Yeah. So I am, I'm, I do consulting, branding and marketing consulting as well for some like select companies. If, if you're interested in this space, I can do consulting and kind of give you best practices. In my opinion, um, you can go to perseuscreative.com. P E R S E U S creative. Uh, or you can just go to Jordan Rogers 26 on any social media, whether that's Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, or you can type that into your browser and it'll take you to my website. Which is what? Perseuscreative.com. JordanRogers26.com will auto will redirect you there to my business. I love it. Um, so, yeah. I'm going to have some products coming out, you know, in the next few months so you can buy those. <laughs> follow stay in touch and uh you're, you're yeah. a busy guy you know there's a yeah. lot of weight that comes with being a rogers and i feel like indeed you yes know, um you, you you carry it you carry it well trying so. to carry the torch man yeah well that's, that's why i wanted you to come here today man I, I i've been a fan from afar and i followed your journey and, it, and it's cool when you meet somebody who's strangely connected to multiple layers mm -hmm. of your life whether it's the background and kind of failing figuring it out whether it's the smu connection the brand connection the business owner connection or just the dallas connection you've done an incredible job and mm. so i'm grateful for you sharing your story today yeah. jordan rogers 26.com uh perseus creative.com uh looking forward to seeing the successes that come thanks to this uh this time today so thanks for being on the podcast thanks so much friend yeah happy to be here thank you i'm jordan rogers and this is how you sell without selling out rogers that